Sports Yak Podcast brought to you by Look Trailers, searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at twenty-one to twenty-five dollars per hour. Located only twenty-four minutes from Goshen, nine minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Visit LookTrailers.com. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. Welcome to episode 308 of the Sports Yak podcast. You mean the Justin Upton episode? Well, I feel like I recognize this name. That's because he played for the South Bend Silverhawks. He was a number one draft choice of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Came to South Bend was quickly a star, ascended quickly through the Diamondback ranks, had some good years with them. Then when he went to the Tigers, had some couple of good years with them. Now he's with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, one of three players on their roster with more than 300 career home runs because, well, as you may have guessed, he has 308. He's Justin Upton. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. Who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Well, let's get things underway, Chuck Freebie, for today's episode. Where do you want to start? Let's start with the death of an Indiana icon, and that is Slick Leonard. Bobby Slick Leonard passes away yesterday at the age of 88. I'm not sure people up in this area are as familiar with him because this area tends to be more Bulls country than Pacers country. But Slick Leonard, and, and some of my friends were talking about this last night online, if, if you talk about the pantheon of Indiana basketball legends, Slick Leonard was the one guy who everything that he did in basketball basically happened in Indiana. Yes, in his NBA playing career, he played for the Lakers and the Wizards, but he wasn't as known for an, as an NBA player. He went to Terre Haute Gerstmeyer High School, was a fabulous tennis player, but decided to go to IU to play basketball. And in playing basketball at IU, he was a two-time All-American and hit the game-winning free throws in 1953 when the Hoosiers won the national championship. Goes on and plays in the NBA. Comes back to Indiana as the coach of the Indiana Pacers in the ABA. You have to remember, Corey, at the time that the ABA was formed, in the late 60s and early 70s, they were getting talent pretty much equal to what the NBA was getting because the ABA was willing to pay a little bit more at times. So the ABA had guys like Julius Irving and George McGinnis and guys that you would eventually know because when the ABA got so good, the NBA brought them in and merged the two leagues. So Slick Leonard wins three titles as the coach of the Pacers in the ABA. By the way, all three titles that he won were in Game 7s on the road. That's how good a coach he was. Mm. Then the the franchise 
even though it's in the ABA and successful, does not necessarily have the finances to merge into the MBA. So Slick Leonard and his wife, who, by the way, is a South Bend native, hold a telethon to basically raise enough money to keep the Pacers going and put them in the NBA. Now think about this. If the Pacers weren't as successful as they wound up being in the NBA, the Colts likely don't come to Indianapolis in 1984. The NCAA headquarters likely don't come to Indianapolis. Indianapolis likely does not become the center of amateur sports that it has become. All these things, I think, are somewhat attributable to Slick Leonard and the success that he had at that time in the 70s. Then another generation winds up getting to know him as the color analyst for Pacers games. And he became quite popular when Reggie Miller was playing because Reggie Miller hit a lot of three-pointers and Slick would go, Boom, baby! That's where that came from. Every time okay. a pacer hit a three-pointer. So, um, a, a man of, of great wit, uh, tons of funny stories. He would he would get after people. He would chase players in the locker room with a hockey stick. He got into <laughs> bar fights with Red Auerbach when Auerbach was with the Celtics. He would get after it, but... This man loved the state of Indiana, loved being an IU Hoosier. He was the first member of Indiana University's Hall of Fame. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Ohio. He's in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. And he's in the Indiana Sports Writers and Sportscasters Hall of Fame. Wow. Uh, You talk about a career. Slick Leonard had it, and he passes away in his sleep at the age of 88. And if you're wondering where Slick comes from, because I did. Yeah. Uh, a late night gin rummy game with a Lakers teammate. The name Slick was originated. And it it kind of wound up fitting him because he was he just had a style about him. And as the tributes flowed in yesterday from people like Reggie Miller and Paul George and Larry Bird and and the Simon family that owns the Pacers, everybody just talked about what a great guy this guy was. Now, honestly, when people die, that's typically the kind of thing that's said about them. But you heard this about Slick Leonard all through his life. You didn't have to wait until he passed away to hear that kind of praise about him. Speaking of the Pacers, let's get into the NBA from last night. Yeah, that was a tough loss last night. They lose to a red-hot Clippers team, 126-115. The aforementioned Paul George returns to... Indianapolis and scores 36. He has seemingly found his way now with the Clippers, and they're playing well. They've won six in a row. They're a threat out west. The Pacers trying to get into the top eight in the league, but remember, the NBA is going to have this little play-in tourney, so really all you have to do is be in the top ten to to make the playoffs, and then the bottom teams will kind of battle it out to figure out who gets into the round of 16. So the Pacers are more than likely going to be in the play-in, but you'd love to get to a point where you had home court for those play-in games. Hey, let me put you on the spot real quick. Give Boog Shambi a report card. I think he's solid. I I enjoy the fact that there was a uh, 
they got a tweet the other night that kind of expressed the way I feel. He does a really good job. There's so many analytical stats right now in baseball, and you can get lost in the numbers somewhat. And I think he and Jim Deshays do a good job of kind of sorting out what those stats mean and how they're relevant and putting them into terms that maybe older fans who aren't as familiar with the analytical numbers can understand. Okay. So I think he's been solid so far. Yeah, he and much like the criticism of Deshays and Casper, Shambi and Deshays sometimes kind of go off on these tangents and they're not necessarily talking about the game in front of you, but you have to remember it's television. He he is assuming that you are actually watching the game mm-hmm. and so therefore they can talk about some other things. Um, but I don't think they've shied away from being critical of the Cubs in areas where the Cubs deserve to be criticized. They've also kind of broken some things down. Why is Chris Bryant succeeding more this year than he did in the last couple of years? He's being more aggressive at the plate. He has a a different kind of approach. He's swinging at the first pitch a lot more. So they do a good job of breaking those kind of things down. What they didn't need to break down last night was the fact that a little bit of a beanball war erupted in Milwaukee. Wilson Contreras was hit with a pitch, albeit it was on a check swing. So part of that is Wilson's fault. He kind of went into the pitch somewhat, and the pitch tailed in on him. But that's the third time he's been hit in five games playing against Milwaukee this year. Really? And... If you go back towards the end of last year, it's like the seventh time he's been hit by the Brewers in the last 14 games. Is there a story there? Well, the Brewers will say that the zone where you get Wilson Contreras out is up and in, in the strike zone. And they will say, you know, sometimes we miss trying to come up and in. So if, my, if I'm looking at the box, let's say TV, they put up a box. The strike zone the box, catcher, yeah. uh, The upper right corner? Upper right corner. Real is where, close to him. Where you want to pitch him okay. in order to get him out. Okay. And sometimes and, they miss. And sometimes they miss. 14 times. You know, so seven times in the last 14 seven. games, it's come in and hit Wilson. Mm. So that happened fairly early in the game. About the sixth inning or so, Brandon Woodruff, the Milwaukee pitcher, is at the plate. Ryan Tapera is on the mound for the Cubs, and a 95-mile-an-hour fastball sails behind the back of Brian, of Brian Woodruff, to which Woodruff takes exception. And he and Contreras chat about it at home plate, and it ends with Contreras giving him a pat on the back and, you know, all good. But Contreras is now like the villain in Milwaukee. He comes to the plate in the eighth inning, trailing 2-1, and he unloads on a pitch by Brian Suter and knocks it into the second deck at American Family Insurance Park and gives the Cubs a 3-2 win last night, a much-needed win. They were on the ropes of losing their fourth straight. Instead, They'll come back today with a chance to win the series with Jake Arietta pitching this afternoon. 
But boy, it should be really interesting to see how this one unfolds this afternoon and what happens the first time somebody misses with a pitch inside. I saw a tweet that the professor was a little under the weather. They said if it's a COVID related. They or? did not say if it's COVID related, and Shambi admitted on the air last night. You you hear that he's not feeling well, that he's scratched before the game, and you wonder. First thing you if, think these if days, COVID related, especially considering there's been an outbreak on the Cubs. The first base coach is out. The bullpen coach is out. There's three bullpen pitchers that have been. Put on the injured list now. You're not told whether those pitchers have COVID or contact tracing. And obviously there's HIPAA laws out there that, you know, if a player doesn't want it known, they don't need to let it be known. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's something that Cub fans need to keep an eye on right now because you wonder, and I certainly wonder as somebody who holds tickets for a game this weekend, uh, whether they're going to be put on pause because of COVID within the team. Now, this morning you mentioned in sports uh, the rubber game is today. Define what rubber game means. So it's the game that decides which way the series will go. The series right now is tied 1-1. The rubber game could go either way, stretches like rubber between the two teams. Remember, I know nothing about sports. That's why we... Decipher those terms for you. By the way, great memory this morning as I was going through our archives. Two years ago, I started uh, poking and prodding you to do the uh, sportscaster camp. Mm. And so you started giving out the advice on the actual podcast. That's a good one to go back and listen to. I think you were talking about pay attention to detail. Pay attention to detail. I, I don't really remember what I would be talking about there, but I, I think it might have been... When you prep for a game, just having an arsenal of information, oh, sure. I yeah. think, uh, so the little details matter. Yes, absolutely. You know, hometowns and background stories and, mm-hmm. you know, what happened the last time these teams played. I think that's what that was. But you can always go back to episode 83 and listen for yourself. It was an award winner. Was it? In my head, it was. Okay, very good. <laughs> Speaking of award winners, boy, they should have given one for the pitching last night at Guaranteed Rate Field on the south side of Chicago. couple of all-stars, Lucas Giolito for the White Sox and Shane Bieber for the Cleveland Indians, went head-to-head, scoreless through nine innings. And then in the 10th, because of these wacky rules they have in baseball now, we're not playing real baseball. They put a runner at second base to start the inning. Cleveland winds up winning by a count of 2-0 in 10 innings, so Bieber gets credit for the win. Shane Bieber has been lights out this year for the Cleveland Indians. He has 35 strikeouts in his first three starts. That's incredible. The last guy to do that was a fellow by the name of Nolan Ryan, who had 37 in his first three starts one year. But the White Sox continue to kind of scuffle a little bit in this first season under Tony La Russa. And once again, the bullpen let them down last night. They have lost some games in the late innings, and it's a uh, it's an early cause for concern over on the south side, that's for sure. Tigers have played well this week. I think part of it is because their new manager, A.J. Hinch, has gone back to Houston. Remember, he was the manager of the Astros when they had the whole trash can scandal and everything like that, had to sit out a year winds up coming back. The Tigers have hired him. Tigers have a series in Houston this week, 
and they've played pretty well down there. They got a couple of homers from Wilson Ramos last night. Akil Badu, the rookie, hit another homer last night, and Detroit comes up with an 8-2 win, and I believe they took two out of three from the Astros in that series, which is a, a feather in their cap, shall we say. How much convincing do you think that coach had to do with the Tigers walking into that locker room going, guys, the new day, or, you know, all right, do we believe this guy, or what do you think? think? The fact that ownership and management believed in him probably spoke volumes to the players. Okay. I, I think the players probably sat there and said, you know, if if they believe that he can handle this, then we'll take him too. Because let's face it, the Tiger players don't have a lot to stand on. They have not been very good in recent years. And therefore, they're going to look at Hinch as somebody who can maybe supervise the rebuilding of this franchise, much as he did in Houston. Now, granted, in Houston, clearly they wound up taking some shortcuts to get there. But don't take away from the fact that the Astros had a very talented team. Yeah, they were banging trash cans and things like that, but there was a lot of talent on that team, too, when they had George Springer and Jose Altuve and pitchers like Verlander and Garrett Cole and Zach Greinke. That, that's some pretty good talent there. Get us into the backyard at South Bend. What's happening at Frank X Stadium? Carter Putts last night, 4-for-4 four four with a couple of RBI. Link Jarrett's team continues to roll as they beat a very good Central Michigan team last night by a count of 8-4. to four. So Notre Dame now 16-6, and six, and they'll have another weekend Atlantic Coast Conference Series coming up. They are a half game ahead of Louisville in the standings, although percentage points behind the Cardinals in the ACC. But just what a, what a difference in approach and attitude that Link Jarrett has brought in. And, of course, we had Link on a couple of weeks ago on the show, and he just loves the way his team is playing right now. They came out with a very aggressive approach last night, scored three runs in the first inning, put Central Michigan back on its heels. Alex Rayo came in out of the bullpen through four and a third scoreless innings. So good performance last night by the Irish. I, I was privileged to be able to go out there as a media member and get a credential and and see some of the gang and uh, talk to Nico Cavadas before the game, the former Penn standout who is having a sensational year. He's fifth in the nation in home runs and actually leads the nation in home runs per game. So the Irish are playing very well, and there's a lot of talk that they may wind up being a regional host site for the NCAA tournament if they should keep up on this pace. I'm always fascinated by the coaches who are creating a new culture within mm-hmm. their team. I think of this guy with Notre Dame. I think of Steve Draben at Bethel. Yes. That's always a fast. you know, how long it takes for player buy-in to the new culture or, you know, is it immediate? Is it, well, a new recruiting class will bring that the next cycle. I find that fascinating. Yeah, I I think it's a gift for coaches, and I think of coaches who have been able to do that at multiple schools. Uh, A guy like Bart Curtis in high school football comes to mind. He's had success at New Prairie. He had success at Mishawaka. Now he's having success at Warsaw. What is it about what they do and how they create the culture that allows that to happen? And I think every coach kind of has a different answer. But I think a lot of it comes down to, first of all, you set a standard. This is the expectation. 
Because let's face it, when you're dealing with kids, and even at the college level, yes, they're young adults, but they're still kids. Most kids want to please. You know, they, they want to they want to respond to the challenge that's set before them. Mm-hmm. So if you set a high standard and you show them, you show respect, but you also command respect, I think you're going to be able to achieve those goals. And so, yeah, there's different styles of doing it. I mean, Link Jarrett is is really a teach. I think the one thing that really connects Jarrett, Draben, and Curtis and the way they set their cultures up is they're all really teachers at heart. They spend a lot of time, and I've had the chance to go to Bart Curtis practices before for football, but also just in observing practices uh, at Bethel or at Notre Dame, there is a lot of time spent teaching what Okay, here's what I want you to do. Sometimes there's even the explanation of why I want you to do it. But here's what I want you to do, and here's, if you trust in me, this is going to get you results. And the players that buy in then find the results, and that brings more buy-in. So when you talk about that buy-in factor, yeah, you got kind of guy you get your leaders to buy in, but if they buy in first, the rest of the crowd will follow. You have to keep that in front of them, too, as a leader. You have to keep reminding them, this is what we're trying to do. Right. And like you said, the why behind the what, it could get tiring as a leader to repeat yourself, but you have to do it if you want it to be implemented. Yeah, because, okay, what is it ultimately we're trying to accomplish? Whether it's an athletic team, a business, a classroom, ultimately everybody has to understand why are we doing what we're doing. Okay. And speaking of Bethel and Steve Draven, we have a special guest coming up after this from Look Trailers. Look Trailers is searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. If you're looking for work in a great atmosphere that's focused on safety, working smart, and bettering the team every day, then Look Trailers is for you. They're located only 24 minutes from Goshen and just nine minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Their family of brands include Look Trailers, Pace American, Cargo Express, and Everlight Trailers. Fly online at looktrailers.com today. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer. Well, Corey, look who has dropped by here on the Sports Yak. It's none other than the athletic director of Bethel University, which I still have problems saying. <laughs> it's Tony Natale. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me here today. I cannot imagine what the last 13 months have been like for you trying to navigate an athletic department through a pandemic. Uh, talk to me about what what the problems have been, the hoops that you've had to jump through in order for your student-athletes to participate in sports. Yeah, you know, it's nothing that you can you can uh, prepare for. Uh, you can't really see anything coming. You just take one day at a time. This has really taught me to take one day at a time. And, you know, I think back to 13 months ago when this all started, all the athletic directors in our conference met you know, every other day just to figure out where we were heading with this. But now that we're where we are, I, I have a little bit better chance to, to, to talk about that and see where we came from. But it really uh, hasn't been terrible, if that makes sense. It, mm-hmm. It's been a challenge in some areas. Probably the biggest challenge was in the fall with our fall sports um, with scheduling. 
uh, because you had a team that would uh, have a positive case. They'd be quarantined for two weeks, and now you're just juggling schedules around. I still remember uh, men's basketball in the early part of the season had a game against St. Francis at our place. And uh, literally two hours before the game, um, St. Francis called us and said they had a positive case, and it had to, we had to postpone it for a little bit. And the next night, we scheduled Indiana Wesleyan, who was number one in the country, and played them the next day on 24 hours' notice. Um, when I was coaching, that wouldn't have worked too well because <laughs> I uh, prepared and did all the scouting reports, and, and, and that was the first thing that went through my mind. But um, that, that was probably the biggest challenge was the scheduling part of things. But uh, our kids have been great. They followed all the protocols we've asked them to. Um, we, we've, been in, we've had in-person classes the whole year. So uh, the only remote classes we've had is if anybody's been quarantined. But it's really been an interesting year. But you know what? God's good, and it's been a, it's been a great year for us, actually. You know, at the Division One level, they have resources that you're not privy to. So we hear these tales of these student-athletes getting tested multiple times, sometimes on a daily basis. What has the testing been like for your coaches and athletes at Bethel? Yeah, that's a great question. So... Uh, the NAI came out this summer and, and said that basically before any season would start of any sport, you had to test all your athletes and all your coaches. Uh, it, 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 you, know, you could test them any time you wanted to, but it had to be done before you started practice. So what, what we made a decision to do was uh, we, when all of our students came back in August, we took the first two, two and a half weeks, and we tested all 500 of our student athletes uh, during that time. And um, we had, a, you know, a few positives, but I'm telling you, out of 500, it was less than 1%. So it was pretty amazing. And that was an opportunity to do what they called it gateway testing. So we had all of our gateway testing done in August, and we were ready to go. And from that point on, uh, the, the way the NEI has it set up, you report all your sports every day. They have a symptom tracker that goes through our trainers. And uh, the only time they test is if they if they have a certain score on that symptom tracker. But um, it's it's really been... After we got that gateway testing done, it's been really pretty smooth. Tony, did you have to tell your athletes, you have to buy into this protocol? You can't be doing what we've done before. we got to stick to a plan. Was that the, the speech? Yeah, so the, the first uh, Sunday night when everybody comes back in August, I have always met and, and with all of our athletes, all 500 of them. And this year I had to do it in two groups, 250 and 250. Sure. But uh, that's exactly what I told them. The first thing I said when I got up there was, I said, how many of you want to have a season? raise your hand well of course they all raise their hand and i said okay if you all want to have a season then you need to listen to what i'm telling you and you got to really do what i'm telling you to do and they have they they, i give them credit here we are you know less than two weeks of classes left and then finals and graduation and they have done a phenomenal job of that um we've we've had a few little pauses here and there in the fall but this semester we've had literally nothing and even I would say the last half of the the first semester, we didn't have very much. So it, it's been, they've done a great job of listening to what we want to tell them to do and, and doing what we asked them to do. What, um, I'm sure the coaches have stopped by with you from time to time and they just, you're, you're their guy to talk to. What's been their biggest hardship of being a coach in the pandemic? What, what did you hear of like, this is hard? Yeah, just being flexible. Uh, you had to be flexible with your practices. You have to be flexible with your kids. I mean, you don't know, you know, if a kid's not feeling well and our trainers test them. And if they are positive, you know, there's a there's a, a situation where you got to keep moving on with your season without that young man and young lady. So just the flexibility involved, I think, was probably one of their 
not frustrations, but one of the things they had to get over, you know, and um, that, of course, has gotten way better as we gotten into this semester. But that's something that they worked on, and uh, they've been extremely positive. I, I told them back in August when we had our, our meetings, our staff meetings, I said, you know, we're not going to be, we're not going to show fear. We, we're not going to have fear about this. God's in control. We're at a Christian university. You know, what a great opportunity to show what we talk about every day. You know, uh, we're going to have faith over fear, and we're going to move forward. We're going to do it safely, but we are going to move forward. And I'm sure your athletic training staff really deserves a tip of the cap because they're kind of like your frontline workers there working with these student-athletes on a daily basis. What are some of the, I don't want to say precautions, but maybe steps that they've had to take in order to kind of be compliant on both sides? Yeah, well, and I told our staff at the beginning of the year in August, Sarah, Hauk, who's our, our uh, lead trainer, I said she she's the most important person in our athletic department right now because everything that happens from this point on goes through her, and she has the final say on everything. So uh, she has been involved with uh, other people on campus with, with a, a pandemic team and done a great job of that. She did all the testing I'm talking about in August. She did all of that. Uh, she's been a rock star when it comes to this whole, this whole thing. And then uh, Ashley Orton, Doug Castle, our other two trainers, have picked up right along with her and done a great job. So they, they've uh, been the ones that have to report to the NEI every day. They report the sports that they train every day to the NEI. They follow very closely uh, with our student-athletes. And any time one of our teams goes on the road, they have to be screened before they leave. Mm. And every time a, a team comes to Bethel to compete, uh, they have to be screened before they leave their campus. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of communication between trainers all over the place right now. And it, it, like I said, it's really, when I heard this at the beginning of the year, I really wondered, boy, how's this going to work? But it, it has gone so smooth. It's gone really, really well. Well, and the amazing thing is, is you look at the overall athletic season, the pilots have had a really good year, including men's basketball, obviously the marquee program mm-hmm. at Bethel, and it has been, I don't know, for about 40 years. <laughs> Uh, but Steve Draven's team had a wonderful season. Oh, just a just a great year, and, and like you said, we've had a lot of uh, great seasons uh, in our fall sports. Which, like I said, that was probably our toughest time. We had uh, our our women's volleyball team won an NCCA national championship, and we actually had four teams that were runners up. So we had a great fall, one of the best falls I can ever remember in my mm-hmm. time I'd been at Bethel. And then uh, right after that, our men's basketball team uh, had a, had a very very good year. Um, had a couple injuries late in the year and lost a few games. We weren't sure if we were going to get in the tournament, and then we got in, um, went to Nebraska and beat two really, really good teams and played and really kind of found ourselves at Nationals, to be honest with you. Really played yeah. our best basketball of the year and then go to Kansas City and play Indiana Wesleyan, who's number one in the country, and beat them and then uh, lost in the Elite Eight but had a great showing. So Steve, Steve Draven and his staff has done a great job of bringing their culture into the program. And it's it's just now coming, and I think next year with another recruiting year in, you'll see what that culture really looks like. You've added some new programs, too. Yeah, we've added uh, swimming and bowling. And our swimming teams, our, our women's swimming team, uh, finished the season ranked ninth in the country in the NAI, and our men's swimming team finished 10th in the country in the NAI. Which is all the more remarkable because the only pool I remember is the parking lot outside of Goodman. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you don't get much work in there when on, on dry days. But yeah, they, 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 of course, train over at the uh, Elkhart Aquatic Center. And uh, Deb Thompson, who's our swim coach, does just an amazing job. She's up to about 40 kids in the program. She's had, I think, eight NAI All-Americans this year. 
So, I mean, she's she's really done a phenomenal job with that. And then our bowling teams have done very well under Chris Adams. So uh, we're excited about those teams. Esports we started last year. They've had a good year. Um, being totally transparent, I don't understand some of the things going on with you sports. You and me both. But, you know, our coach does. And Chris Hess, who's my associate AD, he's, he kind of leads that part of it because he understands it better, way better than me. So he, he leads that part up. And uh, the other thing we're getting ready to start is uh, men's volleyball. Uh, we're going to start a men's volleyball program next year. That'll be our recruiting year. And then the fall of 22, we'll start competition. How about that new facility? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the Lehman Family Training Center. Uh, is a, a indoor track training facility that we that was uh, completed this year it has made all the difference in the world and of course I coached track there for 25 years so it it, it does help the track program of course initially because now they can train all year round but what what people don't see is it really helps everybody um, basketball volleyball the other sports that now practice in Gates and in Goodman they can go in and practice whenever they want to because the track team's not in there running through the hallways and running all over the place, you know, so they can actually practice during the day. And then the the other group of students that it really helps on our campus is our non-athletes, just our, our regular student body, because they can come into Goodman now in the evening and they can pick, play, pick up basketball with their buddies. They can go lift in the weight room. They can go, go to the cardio room. And, and when, when the track team was in there practicing and everything got bumped back, there really was no time for that. So this has been a facility that's really uh, impacted every student on our campus. I don't understand why you needed an indoor track facility when you had those fine hallways at Goodman, other than the fact that, well, if you were running a race longer than 40 meters or anything that required a turn, I I still am amazed at how many All-Americans you were able to turn out in track, considering the fact that your indoor track facility was literally a hallway. Yeah, I tell you, God's good. And I look back at that, and you know, we had great assistant coaches. Danny Wilkerson, who's now the head coach, was my assistant for many years, is a big reason that's happened. And, and we've had a lot of assistant coaches done a great job in those areas. But we've just been blessed with great kids that work really hard and really very talented. So uh, just recruited, recruited hard and uh, let uh, God take care of the rest. Well, thanks for giving us some insight on what it's like to run a, a college athletic program through a pandemic because uh, – well, I've I've known you for a long time. You've never had a lot of hair, but I imagine it thinned even more this year. Yeah, it it did. But we were very uh, we, we got a chance to use our faith and really claim that faith and just really be optimistic and really be positive. And if I tried to get one message out, all thirteen months that we've been doing this, fourteen months is uh, we're going to be positive. We're going to be positive with our kids, and we're going to really. Uh, show Christ through this, and we're going to work as hard as we can to make this a good situation. That's Tony Natale. He's the athletic director at Bethel University in Mishawaka. Look Trailers is searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. If you're looking for work in a great atmosphere that's focused on safety, working smart, and bettering the team every day, then Look Trailers is for you. They're located only 24 minutes from Goshen and just nine minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Their family of brands include Look Trailers, Pace American, Cargo Express, and Everlight Trailers. Fly online at looktrailers.com today. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer. One last thing before we get into the overrated, underrated segment, and that is for our baseball fans here in the Michiana area. If you want to go to a South Bend Cubs game, I hope you're able to listen to this either before noon or early in the afternoon because the South Bend Cubs have now opened up single-game ticket sales 
for games in May and June, uh, beginning today at noon. You have they can, said how many fans can come? Have you I, heard the number? I have not heard the number, but I would say look at the schedule, pick out dates that you want, and you can either go online, you can set up an account online and get that. They can also um, take phone calls, 235-9988, or you can go down to the box office downtown. They're also hiring. They are. I'll throw that out. Yeah. All right. Now, let's get to a little segment that, if you're not familiar with the show, well, I can't help you. But if you are familiar with the show, you know that this next segment is called Overrated, Underrated. I'm going to give you birthday boy Charlie Hustle, Pete Rose, Overrated or Underrated. Uh, I would say, I would say down the middle. I don't think there's any way you can say that the game's all-time hits leader is overrated. Uh, Certainly played the game with passion and energy. Obviously a flawed career, a flawed life uh, marked by gambling. He bet on baseball. Even though he was betting on his own team to win, it's a cardinal sin in the game of baseball. It's posted in every clubhouse. He violated the rule, and that's what's keeping him out of the Hall of Fame. But in terms of as a player, there's no way that you can say he's overrated, I would say, down the middle. Okay. Uh, Greg Maddox, another birthday boy today. Overrated, underrated. Uh, Again, I will say down the middle because I think Greg Maddox has given great respect, and he has earned that great respect. Uh, Just a dominating pitcher without having a dominating fastball was able to mix his pitches well, uh, just did a, f- a fabulous job, nibbled on corners like a mouse on a piece of cheese. I mean, he was just an artist at work. Uh, the great Vin Scully once said about Maddox, he's like a tailor working out there with the needle and thread, and all of a sudden he'll just say, okay, go have a seat. And just terrific pitcher i wish the cubs would have hung on to him for his entire career instead you got the beginning and the end of the maddox career so height of his career was where atlanta atlanta yeah where he was with guys like lavin and smoltz and throughout the braves uh teams of the 1990s which were terrific teams okay so i would say greg maddox down the middle i'm going to give you a sports name here but one you're familiar with okay khalil mack from your Chicago Bears. Felt like a hot commodity coming out of the gate. It feels like it's backed off quite a bit. Mm, I think uh, the common layman's look, overrated. I would agree. I would agree. I don't think his production has been near what the Bears paid for him or gave up for him. So I would say overrated on Khalil Mack. I think his first year with the Bears was terrific. Since then, the production has somewhat tailed off, and that Bears defense has somewhat tailed off. (laughs) And then from the world of entertainment and his name in the news recently because of who he will be portraying in Netflix, I give you the acting talents of one Kevin James. Mm, Kevin James. Boy, that's a good one to bring to the table. King of Queens. Funny show. Paul Blart Mall Cop. Funny movie. Grown Ups. Here comes the boom. Yeah. I enjoy that one. What was the 
What was the second sitcom that had a lengthy run? Do you remember that one? Oh. After after um, King of Queens? Kevin Can Wait. That lasted two seasons. Maybe yeah. that's why we don't remember. Because King of Queens was 98 to 07. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, he's funny. Mall cop, the grown-ups, like you said. Here comes the boom. Zoom, zookeeper. Uh, I mean, he's had some stinkers, too. Oh, yeah. Um, well, all these people have that we've brought up in terms of... He's a br- he's about to do uh, the Sean Payton story for Netflix of the uh, Saints coach that got sidelined for a year. You know what? I would say slightly overrated. Overrated. Slightly overrated. Like, I think... Some people think he's like a commodity when it comes to comedy. I don't know that he's the guy that I'm going to go to the theater to because he's in it. I agree. I think with he's you there. a secondary player, and I think his career is carried a lot by his association with Adam Sandler. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Boy, you could count up those uh, co whatevers. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a buddy of Sandler, and I think Sandler has helped prop him up somewhat. Not that, I mean, you can't take away from the nine-year run that he had with King of Queens. You, you don't have a show that goes that well if it's not well-written and, and well-acted. He stayed within his character. I, I think Paul Blart Mall Cop, the first one, was was really good. Yeah. Grown-ups, I don't give him as much credit for because that's kind of an ensemble movie. Oh, total, totally. You know, so I guess I would... I would agree with you and say slightly overrated. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's got a new uh, sitcom on Netflix right now called The Crew. He's like a NASCAR uh, crew leader. Uh, I watched one episode and went, okay. Yeah. You know, not my cup of tea. That'll happen. Is that what we got for today? That is. My, this was chock full of yak greatness. Was it? I think so. Okay. Well, we appreciate Tony Natale joining us on the show today. I thought he gave us some pretty good insights. You're on Twitter, right? At 46 Sports. I liked one of your tweets the other day. It was really good. Do you remember what it was? Sure I do. No, you don't. <laughs> Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, Yak fans. Oogalooga, Justin Upton. Not Kate. Too bad. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Sports Yak Podcast brought to you by Look Trailers. Searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at twenty-one to twenty-five dollars per hour. Located only twenty-four minutes from Goshen. Nine minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Visit LookTrailers.com. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.